One of the reasons I started this podcast because I wanted to have behind the scenes conversations with people who have created some of the most impactful businesses, practices, experiences that I had the pleasure and honor of coming across in my life. And one such business for sure is in day which is a chain of indian and ayurvedic inspired eateries rooted in the indian philosophy of food as medicine with seasonal dishes a beautiful emphasis on sustainable sourcing and community whenever i am in new york i try to make my way there and it's such a beautiful place to meet up with friends and have this nourishing conversation of our bodies and minds and souls all at once I am very excited to introduce you to Bashu Ratnam. We discuss what led Bashu to start in day, from being brought up in an Indian household in New York to working in finance, the Indian concepts that guide Bashu in life and work today, the conscious choice to grow his business mindfully and not explosively, mindfulness practices that all in day employees are invited to daily, letting go of fixed mindsets top business lessons that he has learned from running in day so far, redefining success, redefining wellness, and Bashu's relationship with social media. This conversation, in my experience, is a profound invitation into presence and to really be with what we are going through, with what we're building, with the conversations we're having along the way, instead of being so focused on the outcome. Before we dive into the interview, which is also available on YouTube in video format, I have something very exciting that I want to share with you. Hey, it's Xenia from the future. I just wanted to let you know that what I'm about to say was actually recorded a few weeks ago, and then there was a few technical difficulties that have been resolved. So what I'm referencing as the future date of October 18th has actually already happened, And I have already changed the name from Funded by Source to Ksenia Brief Podcast. And those solo episodes and YouTube video that I mention are already up. So scroll down on the podcast feed to find them and find all of the information on kseniabrief.com. I have been very clearly guided to shift around ways that I show up in the world, ways that I share, the containers within which I have conversations and allow my creativity to flow. And it's not what I would have ever expected or arrived at strategically. In fact, it's quite opposite to what you would think is a marketing, smart marketing move, smart business move. I'm going to be changing the name of this podcast only a couple of months after I rebranded everything. And I will also be shifting the handles of my Instagram, TikTok, YouTube usernames to I mean, the surface intention is a clarity of my digital universe and ways to show up that feel aligned with my truth. But behind that, there's a lot of different layers of shifting and shedding and realizing how fragmented my presence right now is and how fragmented as a result my attention is. And I just know that I have been in hiding. That's the truth. Even though I have so many different social media accounts, and to some it might seem like I am so out there, you know, someone who doesn't really have a fear of showing up, the truth is a lot of that has been covered to 
not showing up fully and not really sharing what's on my heart and not really sharing where I'm at. And it's over now. You hear the deep breath behind this. I received some very, very, very clear guidance on the next steps. Well, the next step. I don't really know the whole plan. I don't have a business plan that I've written up. I just know that the next right step is to shift the name of the podcast, the name of my social media pages. And on Monday, October 18th, once Mercury is out of retrograde, I plan to share some solo episodes where I share behind the scenes. I take you real deep behind what's going on here on my heart and my mind and my universe. So if you're subscribed to the podcast, just look out for a new name. If you're not subscribed yet, make sure you're subscribed so you see what it is. And the content, I feel, I never know what source will guide me into. The content will be similar, more expanded because there won't be boxes to check and names to fit into. It will be a lot more free-flowing, creative energy of being with what is. And that's as much as I want to say. I will be sharing more in those solo episodes on October 18th, 2021. And I will also be posting a YouTube vlog version of it that I've already recorded. And probably the YouTube version will be, hmm, I don't know which one actually will be more raw. But if you would like to connect with me visually and see the beautiful Catskills fall in the background and all the different animals I was called by while I was recording it, then you can check it out on the YouTube channel that is linked in the show notes. I cannot tell you how grateful I am to have you on this journey with me and just how excited I am to more deeply let go of showing up a certain way, letting go of the shoulds and the needs, trying to use and amplify all the things that I've done that have been successful, just letting go of all of that heavy baggage and to show up in the truth of who I am in this moment, because that's the only thing that's true. The past is the past, the future is the future, and the only thing I have control of is this moment and how I show up and which frequency I choose to vibrate at. So my choice is to do the uncomfortable, the choice to do the unknown and unfamiliar, and show up as the full spectrum version of me, at least in this moment. If you would like to connect with me on Instagram, you can find me at xenia.brief. At least for now, things might be shifting, but I will be posting announcements on there so you can be on the lookout. And in the meantime, here is my guest, Bashu Ratna. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to chat with you because I have been a fan of Inday since the very, very, very beginning. I remember the menu was different. The counter was in a different place. But the one thing that has stayed the same is the sign about good karma, the lovely people who have always worked there. Some of them have changed over the years, but there's always been this warmth about everyone I've encountered who works at Inday and the food. The food is one of my absolute favorite places in New York and anywhere in the world. And when I make it to the city, which is not very often these days, whenever I can find parking, I try to make it there and get a few bowls to myself. And if anything's left for my husband, I share it with him as well. And, you know, it's been quite a journey to witness from the outside all the growth and the changes. And I'm just so excited to 
sit down with you and see who one of the humans is behind all of that creation. So welcome and let's get this going. Thank you for having me today on the show. I, I you know, I've, likewise, I feel like I've witnessed so much of your growth and, and spiritual and professional development. And you, I remember the first time you came in and you've been such a great supporter and fan and so helpful for us. And honestly, people like you who really understand the why behind what we do make it all worth it. So mm. I'm excited to chat. Today. So what is the why behind what you do and what paths and events in your life led you to doing what you do now? And also for those who don't know, just give a little overview what is in day because yeah. years ago it used to be one restaurant and now it's a whole world of places where people can nourish themselves on different levels. Sure. Yeah, I think so. My name is Bashi Ratnam. Uh, I grew up here in New York and I grew up in an Indian American household. And, you know, the big, I think like a lot of immigrant families, the like rhythm of our, our life and our sort of family center was really around the dinner table. And it was a place where my mom sort of made sure that we met every, every evening as a family. And it was hugely important to, to her that she transmitted kind of the culture and stories of, of our family through food. And so I grew up with a deep appreciation for the recipes, the power, the healing nature of food. And so it's something that I've kind of always held really close to my heart. And actually 25 years ago, my mom wrote a book called Spirit versus Scalpel. Wow. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a textbook that's, that's used in a few different universities all around the world. But the idea was looking at ancient Eastern modalities around wellness and comparing it with kind of modern practice of, of Western medicine. And so, you know, that in a lot of ways, that thinking and that way of kind of understanding the world has built, been the foundation for uh, how I thought about my life and, and the type of career I wanted to build. So Inde was born from that idea. Um, after college, I was working in, on the business side of things. I was in finance and we were buying big companies and I felt like, you know, there wasn't much of a spiritual connection or emotional connection between what I was doing and what I wanted, what I ultimately wanted to be building. And Inde came from kind of an opportunity I saw in the food world as people were starting to care more about what they were putting in their body and understanding the impact that it was having on their kind of physiology and biology uh, and caring more about the environment that they're eating. Um, but there was a, an opportunity to tell the story about Indian food uh, that just hasn't been done before. So we opened our first restaurant in 2016. We have five more that we've opened. We're opening uh, three more next year and starting to expand to new markets and really feel fortunate to be still running this business. So how much did you know about food and recipes, menu creation, and all of the pieces that go into running restaurants when you started it? Very little. I didn't know much, and I think that's like a blessing and a curse, obviously. You know, the, the restaurant industry is one of the hardest industries in the world, and I think I probably wouldn't have had the courage to, to go into it if I knew just how much could go wrong, but that's like the joy of, of youth and inexperience. And 
I was really fortunate from kind of the day I had the idea to have like a really thoughtful and helpful group of partners and investors who were able to kind of support me in the early days. And we were able to build an extraordinary team of people, um, many of whom are still with us. And, you know, I didn't, I knew enough to, to put the pieces together, but I was able to find the right, the right partners to be able to actually, you know, bring, bring something to life. What have you learned since starting in day about finding that balance, that harmony between business practices and spiritual practices and spiritual lens through which, you know, what inspired you to start these restaurants in the first place? It's a great question. I think it's an evolving relationship. You know, I think there are certain times where you're able to do things that really kind of nurture who you are and how you feel about the way you want your life to, to move forward. And sometimes you have to put a little bit of that to the side and, and kind of grit your teeth and, and do whatever it takes to, to keep the business alive. And I think we're, I'm constantly finding that tension and that balance. And there's days where I feel really connected to what the work that we're doing. And I feel really passionate about the change that we're making. And, you know, it's been a huge emphasis for me is to, incorporate some of the more kind of spiritual underpinnings and emotional underpinnings of Indian culture into the day-to-day -day of our restaurants. You know, we spend a lot of time with our teams uh, introducing these concepts at very basic levels to try and help them kind of tune in or tap into to the energy that they have. Because you know, for the most part, the people that work in our restaurants have had very different backgrounds and educations to, to what I was exposed to as a kid. And a lot of them have this desire to feel better, to feel more connected, to be more in touch with themselves, but they don't often have the vocabulary or the tools to do it. And so a big part of my journey has been being able to incorporate and teach those lessons uh, to our, our, our team. I would love to get more into that. What are some of those specific practices? Because you know, from someone who's really advanced in mindfulness and spiritual practices to someone who's just starting out, I find that just knowing about them and having read a book about them or having done a course on these things, it doesn't really matter if we're not implementing it daily. So what are some of those starter points and what are some of the invitations that you're extending to your team? Because they're really applicable to everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think, so there's some really basic stuff. I mean, we, we build around this idea of ritual every day in the restaurants. And so, you know, we, we have something that's called our, you know, actually we call it the daily ritual where the general manager of every, of every store has a 10 minute window that he's able to, he or she is able to do as they please with their team. And it's a moment for the team to come together to take a pause from the daily activity of, of the restaurant It incorporates some version of either like a box breathing or, or joint meditation, a silent meditation. Sometimes it's mantra-based. And we cycle between, you know, a couple of different mindfulness practices. Sometimes it's, we'll do a meta meditation. Sometimes it'll be, you know, a silent, more gratitude-focused one. But we give the GMs training on, on these, you know, very specific, and it's not super long, two to four minute tools that they can use. And then, you know, they sit together and they'll do like a quick body scan. They'll set an attention for the day. And then they'll, you know, they, depending on how much time they've left, it's like three to five minutes. We'll talk, they'll talk, the GMs will talk through kind of daily activities, goals, hopes, 
Um, or sometimes they, we just go around the, the team and they share how they're doing and how they're feeling. So there's a little bit of structure. It's a, it's a short, it's a short part of their day, but it has, we built it in as a non-negotiable sort of starting point for everyone's shift. And, you know, it's pretty powerful actually. Like we've seen employees who initially were super resistant of doing it, but I think it's something that has created a lot of peace, especially in a very turmoil and very difficult environment. And, you know, all of our GMs, they do it religiously now. It's become like a favorite part of their day. And we have multiple employees who, who ask us for more advanced tools and we've signed them up for different meditation apps. And it's really been astounding just to see how, how it's been adopted. And, and it has proven to me that there's an appetite for, you know, people of all walks of life and all stages of, of the practice to, to start getting a little bit more um, mindfulness in their day. It sounds like it, this invitation to take people's humanity into account in the workplace, which is 99.9% of the time forgotten. And just even the idea itself to do that, to see people in the fullness of who they are, sounds like such a profound, simple, but forgotten concept. Yeah. I mean, I have always felt like the restaurant business is a people business. And, it's, and you know, we have a, the honor of serving people food that I think, you know, we, we spend a lot of time designing our menus and creating, creating meals that I, I, I think are, are really nourished and balancing and, you know, full of great nutritious ingredients. Confirmed. And, you know, <laughs> and we have the, you know, we have the, it, it's, it's a pleasure that we get to serve that food every day. And so for me, you know, the, the, the base root of the word restaurant is restore. And that's an idea that we take very seriously in our business. And the restaurant business can be very difficult and very grueling. But at the end of the day, our mission is to make it easier for people to feel better. And that starts with our team. And so we feel like anything we do externally can't be done if we don't have a strong foundation, we don't have a sense of connection. And our first core value is empathy. And so we try to build our entire business on the basis of, of our team connecting with each other first. Well, actually connecting themselves first and then being able to connect with each other. What about your personal practices? I read in an interview that you meditate for 30 minutes in the morning and evening. Is that still something you do? You know, I used to do 20 minutes morning and evening and I was very religious about it. And I have to be honest that the turmoil of the pandemic has sort of thrown me off practice. I still try to do something every single day. And I'm, I need to, to get back into it. But I find that when I am really committed to the practice and I can do it two times a day, that it has a huge impact on my quality of life and ability to be centered and, you know, really sort of be in the moment and, and connected to what I'm doing as opposed to sort of being pulled in a million directions and never really, um, never really focused. Now, is that something that you get from your family, the meditation practice and all the different practices you do at the restaurants? My mom, you know, my mom has chanted her whole life um, and she's especially increased her practice. She's actually teaching herself Sanskrit now so she can learn sort of the, the root um, Vedic texts in their original form, which I think is incredible. So I would say my curiosity for doing it definitely comes from my mom. But she, you know, she raised us here and she raised us in, in, in the States and she wanted us to fit in. And there's a reason why she didn't raise us back home in India. And so... She wasn't too, she wasn't too strict. 
we went to the equivalent of an Indian culture school and we learned a lot of the prayers. We learned a lot of the meditation practices. We, we, were, we learned yoga from a young age, but she really gave us the freedom to pursue it at our, our leisure after we got to a certain age. So I would say to answer your question, the base practice came from her and I, I, I guess she made that early imprint in my life, but in terms of how we've inputted it professionally and how we've made that a part of the DNA of our company has been something I felt compelled to do. Have you gone back to India or not back? Have you? Yeah, I mean, I've been back a bunch of times. Pre-pandemic, we were going back probably every year or two years. But, you know, it's been interesting. I think for me, India, it wasn't a place we visited a ton as children. My parents came here and they both left India to, to build roots in the U.S. You know, they, came, they both of them came here to do their studies and India was a place at the time where it wasn't as cultivated as a tourist destination as it is now. And so, you know, when they had the opportunity to have us travel, they tried to expose us to the rest of the world. And, you know, going back to India has been more of something that I feel personally interested in because I know at the end of the day, that's, you know, what my, my, my origin story and my family's history is. And so I go back now with an interest in just sort of understanding that better for myself as opposed to having like a deep family network there. Right. You know, thinking about India as I was preparing for the interview, what I got present to is that I've always had spiritual awareness growing up that mm -hmm. expressed itself in many ways from not feeling like I fit in or constantly reading different self-help and psychology books mm -hmm. to just wanting to spend all the time in nature and forage mushrooms and things like that. But I didn't have physical, tangible, uh, spiritual awareness until I visited India. Because when I was really? 15, my dad, fun fact, he speaks Hindi. He studied it in really? college and spent a bunch of time there. Yeah. Wow. And so it's really funny. You know, you see this super white guy just like talking all fluent sounding. Is he still Hindi. Hindi? Uh, he's probably lost most of it. But if he had to, he would remember it just like he did during our trip. Because... When we went there, when I was in high school, it was me, my mom, my dad, and some friends. We traveled to New Delhi, to the Himalayas, Agra, Jaipur, so many beautiful, beautiful places. And I remember there was this tiny, tiny monastery somewhere in the mountains in the Himalayas where I just walked into it. And I felt like something just swooped me up and showed me my own aliveness. And it's in that place I just kind of froze. Wow. I was amazed. I was like, whoa, what is this? I didn't quite have the words to understand what it was, but I just made myself a promise that I will come back to India and for a long time and I'll study spiritual things. That's the promise I made myself as a 15-year-old. And I did actually. Have you been uh, back? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I went back on a spiritual pilgrimage almost 10 years ago with my teacher, David Wagner, who's also been a guest wow. on the podcast, but he's the one I learned about meditation from, about Ram Das, and so many things that still impact my life highly. And it was a 10-day journey into some of the holy spots around Maharashtra. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, oh, wow. that's where I experienced, I would say, part two of my spiritual awareness, spiritual awakening, where I just felt like I am part of everything, or at least got like, a very short glimpse into it. I didn't yet learn how to hold on to it. I'm still learning it, but I got a glimpse into yeah. what's possible. And my life hasn't 
been the same. It's been really guiding so many of my choices. And that's when I was starting to get into yoga more deeply, did my uh, yoga teacher training, started Breakfast Criminals when a lot of things started taking off on the external sort of superficial side too. So I'm curious, what are your experiences going to India? Because, you know, your restaurants, they do pay such respect to India with the traditions and rituals and the recipes in a modern way. What's your personal relationship and what are some of the experiences or stories you can share from your trips? Yeah, I mean, I think in India is obviously a huge culinary inspiration for us and it's it's really special to be able to go there and and see kind of at the root, you know, where the food comes from, how it was designed and I think one thing that's really powerful um is just sort of the idea of you know ayurvedic cuisine and ayurvedic food and the the whole system was really developed to be intuitive to be based on what the land can provide and you know a real deep sense of kind of the biodynamic environment of, of growing food and preparing food and i think that that's you see that a lot in india um and you know it's it's interesting i think they're just now really taking it seriously. It used to be that when you would go back to India and you wanted to eat healthy food, they would serve you like the Mediterranean diet. You know, mm. they were they were so focused on sort of the Western um, conception of, of what healthy means. And I think now that there's been a pull from this side of the world in terms of really understanding these things that were kind of relegated to, to ashrams and monasteries and places that were a little bit outside the city centers, uh, now you're seeing it being taken more seriously. And so there's been a few times when I've been back to India, I've gotten to see these more biodynamic farms that are uh, cultivated in a more like in an Ayurvedic practice with the intention of building kind of more elevated food. And it's, it's been fascinating. Mm. So, you know, I think India is an incredibly stimulating place and the closer you get to the root source of a lot of these places where the spices are grown and you understand sort of the activation that takes place when these specific ingredients are combined uh it's it's really powerful and it's been some of the most like profound food experiences that i've been able to have how much of the menu that you build is guided by ayurveda it's interesting i it's something that i pay attention to and i have cycled in and out of being very structured around it there are certain principles that i that I, of ayurveda that i find to be very helpful in terms of thinking about seasonality, eating for, you know, warming seasons versus cooling seasons, thinking about grounding ingredients, creating composed and balanced bowls. But there are pieces of Ayurveda that I think can also be limiting, especially for the Western palate. And we try to create balanced meals that have all the tastes, that have the different components of, of what creates, you know, a wholesome and nutritious setting. But it's, it's a, I would say it's a combination of kind of modern science and what we know to be true from like a, a Western kind of macrobiotic consideration and the more sort of traditional Eastern Ayurvedic philosophies. I think one of the most popular things or dishes people know about Ayurveda is kitchari. It's something that mm -hmm. is a huge part of oh. my life. I eat it all the time. And one of the things that kept bringing me back to India over and over again was your karma cup, which was a cup of kitchari that if you buy one gets donated. I think it was to the Bowery 
or to yeah, it was to the Bowery Mission. Right. It's a good memory. Oh my gosh, I would never forget that. So, you know, personal question is: Kitchery ever coming back? And for sure, one hundred percent. All right, all right. Tell me more. Yeah, there's a few things that we stopped doing just because, you know, I think as a part of, we were trying to find our feet in some ways, and it's something that that's a that's a dish and a concept that is like incredibly true to who we are. And we felt like there was a certain point in which we didn't have the resources to do it properly. But that's something that when we get back into full swing, I love the idea of it. It was inspired very much by Gurdwaras in India, you know, which are Sikh temples. You know, there's a whole concept that if you, anyone in the world can go to a Sikh temple and they'll feed you. And it's usually a very simple dish that's based on rice and lentils, similar to kitchari. Um, and it's a really beautiful concept and idea. And I think that idea of paying it forward and creating a just a, a meal that that is nourishing and rejuvenating, but also you know provides sustenance for another person is is just a really beautiful concept. And so it's something we'll we'll definitely be written back. You've also nailed chai and bone broth. Yes, we worked really hard on those two things. They are absolutely incredible. I really appreciate you saying that. Yes. Because it's been a lot of late. It's a, both those things are a labor of love. Mm. And you can taste it. <laughs> but, you know, like, for example, broth is a good example. Like, broth has no, I find it to be to one of the most sustaining, healthful, in, like, nourishing foods that have so many, you know, healing properties to it, but isn't something you see in, in traditional Ayurvedic mm. philosophy. And so, I don't want to say we pick and choose and we're opportunistic, but it's our philosophy isn't strictly Ayurvedic for things like bone broth. You know, mm. like we just we think it's a really important foundational part of the diet, uh, and so it's something we spend a lot of time thinking about. Do you feel like with in day you are living your soul's purpose or aligning with it or moving towards aligning with it? That's a great question. Yeah, I think most of the time I feel like I don't have a, a job. I feel like I have a, a purpose. And it is by far the most gratifying work I've ever done. You know, I was, I was in a conference earlier this week in Denver. We had just opened a store, a re- new restaurant, our fifth location in, in, in the financial district. And we had a, a manager that had never been a manager before with us and had come up as a cook and, and had been with us for a few years. And I got a video of him leading a, a, a meta meditation. And he started with, you know, sort of practicing loving kindness. And it was like, just like so heartwarming mm. to see this kid who, you know, before he started with us, had never even uttered those words. And just to feel so deeply to choose to lead that meditation and the bravery that that takes to, you know, be a first time manager of a, of a store and be a young a young person early in his career and just, I don't know. So there's moments like that, that make me feel like what we're doing is really special. And I feel like we're having a positive impact on people's lives. And I think we're building better humans. And I, and yeah, that feels very aligned with what I'm hoping to do. Yeah. And I think what you're speaking to is the new era, the new paradigm of businesses is not just about what, the company serves the customer, but it's also the internal relationships. It's where you source from. It's kind of this invitation to become more conscious on every step with every single being involved. 
And mm-hmm. that's what I'm hearing from you with what you're doing with, I know, you know, you source very mindfully the recipes, the giving the love to the culture that, you know, you're inspired by and being empowerers, is that a word? Empowering your employees. Yeah. I've said this for a long time. I think that this idea of wellness or well-being needs to be a very inclusive principle. I, you know, the foundation of a lot of these practices, whether it's meditation and mindfulness or Ayurvedic philosophy and this idea of food as medicine or integrative medicine, these things were all developed to be cost-effective, to be easy to understand, to be accessible to people. And I think the way that it's been co-opted in the U.S. has made it so that it, it feels very expensive and elitist and you know out of touch with, with how the average person is living. And so a big part of what we try to do is to make it easier for people to feel better and, and try to, for me, the biggest thing is to be able to start with my teams. And if my teams can feel it and understand it and live it, then I know we're doing something right. And you know, in a lot of ways, they are less equipped just based on how they grew up, the lack of educational opportunities that they've had, they're less equipped to deal with the stress and, um, and challenges of, of today's world. And so if we can be employers that can have the honor of serving people incredible food in a beautiful environment and at the same time empower our, our teams to feel better and take control of their lives, like that's, to me, that's the dream. Mm. Two-folded question. What have you learned about yourself since you started in day? And also, mm-hmm. what are some of the business lessons that come to top of mind? What have I learned about myself? What I've learned about myself is that I, I'm trying to think of one, like, one good lesson I've learned. But I think that I had a very fixed mindset going into building a business, that things were either right or wrong, or we were doing a good job or a bad job. And, you know, I was always waiting for kind of like an external validation to sort of prove to us that we were on the right path. And I've learned over the last five years to kind of let go of that to a certain extent and to feel much more guided by intuition and spiritual fulfillment and, you know, knowing that there's always going to be these external kind of markers, but really the happiness comes from day to day and small wins of the things that I just, you know, was describing to you. You know, I feel a lot better about who I am and the work I do based on our ability to impact our teams. Mm. And that's something I didn't totally understand uh, until I really got into it. I am so with you. And even though we're in completely different businesses, this is the exact place where I've recently arrived of, you know, having Mm -hmm. chased so many external uh, sources of validation and achieving some of them and realizing that first of all, it just comes and goes. Second of all, if I continue sourcing my validation outside of myself, it's just going to be a never ending chase, you know, even with breakfast criminals, like having created something that some people recognize and love and respect and think is so cool. I made it uh, be something that when I walk into a room, I want people to see that and not me and where I am Mm -hmm. today. And I was holding on Mm -hmm. to it because, you know, holding on to some of the good things and successes behind it, but that really stole my chance of 
just being present with what is and what with what wants to come through me in this moment and it's always changing mm -hmm. and uh you're right it's so moment by moment it's just this inquiry for me of how present can i be in every moment how kind how mindful how compassionate with myself and then as a result with others can i be and ultimately that's really and how much can i enjoy all the things that i've been building you know instead of just looking for what's happening on the outside well i've always been amazed watching you from afar just how much you do and how many things you have going on and the number of times that you've you know you followed your your intuition and your wisdom and your instinct and you've let that guide you and it's been incredibly impressive to see what you've built mm, so thank i you. hope you do celebrate the, the small wins and, and the big ones thank you thank you mirror mirror <laughs> So the business lessons, what are some of the things yeah. that you would have told yourself? I mean, times have changed so much, so I don't even know if it makes sense to ask it in the context of what you would, have, you would have told yourself if you were starting again. Maybe just some of the things you would tell yourself today. I think you have to, I mean, I, I sort of touched on this, but this idea of having like a fixed mindset, which says, you know, there is a right or wrong, or there is a success or failure. I think that's such a fragile place to approach business from. And I think, you know, if you can understand that the obstacles that you face are the journey, that's, that is it, that's business. You'll be a lot happier with where you end up. And I think that that's extraordinarily important. I think we are in a society that, you know, really, really values big wins and fast wins. And, you know, we've seen those, there's, there's restaurants that have grown much faster than us that have also imploded much faster than us. And I think if you chase markers uh, too quickly, you end up, you know, not building the foundation of, of, of a business. And I think, you know, that's been a big lesson for me is to sort of understand that whether things are working or not working, these are just steps along a journey. And, and the most important thing to do is to, to focus on the day to day and to build teams and empower people. I would say that's been really important. I think putting our teams first has been a really helpful thing for us. You know, I think there's businesses chase all kinds of things. They'll, they'll chase profits. They'll chase um, customers. They'll chase growth. And we've really tried to build a more human-centric business. And it takes patience and it takes money and it takes time. But I feel like when you can build that is when you really have something that, that feels resilient because we're entering into a very strange time. Um, you know, there's so much income inequality and disparity in this country. And, you know, for us in our business, restaurant jobs are becoming harder and harder to hold on to. You know, there's all sorts of hiring challenges that we're facing and you're seeing these huge, huge companies like DoorDash and Caviar and Amazon who are willing to pay more than we can. Uh, and are stealing employees left and right and, and making the restaurant business a, a really hard place for people to, to want to stay into. And so it's up for us as employers to, to figure out ways to make the human connection with our teams. And I think that's just so key to any people-based business going forward. Mm. Wow. I really would like to believe and I really choose in this moment to see a world where it's not just, you know, where can I get bigger salary where people don't have to feel like they're put in a corner like that for a variety of circumstances, but where we can feel like we're on the right path, we're at home, we're supported, we're seen. And yeah, it's going to take letting go of some sexy short-term validation or success 
to really just stay on that path. And I don't think any of us have the roadmap for it, but just making that one human mindful choice that's for highest good at a time is all we can do. And that's what I hear you are doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's some basic principles that are true about every person. You know, people want to feel seen. They want to feel heard. They want to feel invalidated. And they want to be empowered to be the best version of themselves. And so we've, you know, COVID was hugely disruptive to our business. But as we try to rebuild the culture of our restaurants, we try to do it with that idea in mind. And, you know, it's made all the difference just in terms of being able to feel really confident and appreciative of the work that we're able to do. I think our teams, you know, we, we haven't had a lot of the same staffing challenges and issues because we take that kind of more human centric mm. approach with our, with our teams. What role do you think social media has played in Enday's growth and evol- evolution? You know, initially it's something we paid a ton of attention to and we were very active on social media and I think it was a huge driver of our success. And I still think there are ways to tap into social media that creates a platform that can be hugely beneficial. And, you know, I think it connecting to our customers and giving them a, a, a channel that can, you know, work both ways, I think can be a really beautiful thing, but it's a, it's a difficult thing to manage right now. I think the, you know, it's not a channel that we spend a ton of time investing in right now, frankly. But I think as we, as the world starts coming back to normal, if it ever does, if it ever does, it'll be an area that we kind of re-engage with probably in a little bit different way than we did before. But I know that it's still a very powerful outlet and it's something that um, when used right in the right way can, can further and sort of amplify the messaging that we care a lot about. And I think when we do get back on and and do start spending more time and resources on it, we'll, we're going to use it as a way to, to, tell more stories and be less promotional. Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where as a business owner, service provider, it's so easy to look at our social media platforms and feel like we could have done something different. We could have been more active. You know, like a lot of people now are looking at TikTok and being like, oh, I should have gotten on that a year ago. Yeah. Um, or I look at myself and I'm like, I should have gotten on, really gotten on YouTube 10 years ago, not just, you know, one video a year. But if I really invested my time, it would have been a different story. But also there's part of me that really knows and trusts that whatever needed to be taken care of and was meant to be taken care of and expressed was. And there's absolutely nothing that was missed. So I trust that for in day, whenever that time comes and if it comes and maybe by the time that time comes, Instagram won't exist. Who knows if things are changing so quickly, you know, YouTube and TikTok are huge right now. But I also wonder, you know, you and I have had those conversations at end day of your own social media presence. You, you know, you've expressed to me, I believe that you were kind of dabbling and interested in having more public facing digital presence yourself. What are your thoughts on that? today it's something that i've i've thought about for a long time and i have to say for for better or worse is not an avenue that i've really pursued i just find and maybe it's fear or maybe it's um like a uneasiness with being vulnerable i've i've just found it like a very difficult thing for me to explore for myself um and so i've you know, it's, it's not something I've really pushed for 
or really spent time thinking about. And I keep saying that I know it'll be something that I want to do. And I, it, it's been always the last thing to, mm. that I've really been able to like commit to and, and make a practice out of. Mm. And to your point, I don't know if I'm, it, what's holding me back is that it just maybe isn't the right time or it's, it's more that I haven't figured out a way to kind of break through the initial resistance of getting it done. Right. Well, if you ever want to chat about that, you know where to find me. I'm happy to. That's what I do. I do. I know. I need to. I need to. And I, I, I always push it to the bottom of the pile, but I, I, I really admire the people that can do it and that have found their voice and have done it authentically and they do it in a way that speaks to, to their mission and has used it as a, as a platform to connect with a community that, that um, is inspired. You know, I think that's, it's still a tremendously powerful thing to do. Right. Because I don't believe that every single person is meant to have a digital platform. A lot of the times, mm -hmm. you know, when it ends up being forced, it just doesn't really serve anyone, including the person doing it. But sure. um, I just also know that as a business owner, it can be such a beautiful pathway for people to feel your heart and connect more deeply with your offerings and your businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my big motivation for wanting to do it, honestly, is that I feel like there's only so much you can say through a corporate account and, and, you know, people for, for good reason, want to know the people behind the brands that they support. And, you know, everything we do at in day, we do with a very pure set of intentions and we don't hide very much. And so just being able to provide a narrative and, and an overview and, you know, if it helps create a little bit more awareness for, for what we believe to be better employee practices, I think that would be, you know, a worthwhile, a worthwhile uh, endeavor. So maybe after this. We'll... Don't wait until things get back to normal or until you are able to meditate twice a day again. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fair. The process. I find that so many of us wait until like something is back. Something where... feels perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Something clicks in no, and then I'll do right. it. You know. How do you find the motivation to start something that you've been kind of pushing off for a long time? <sighs> I just allow myself to be really uncomfortable for as long as I need to be uncomfortable. And then yeah. I just rip off the bandaid. And I usually, what really helps me is just announcing it out in the world. Like this week mm -hmm. I received guidance to switch up all of my digital accounts, my podcast name. And I just went on my stories and I said, things will be changing. Go to this account. This will be shutting down. Um, yeah. and kind of creating this external accountability and, and choosing a date. I looked when Mercury goes back direct and I'm like, okay, perfect. October 18th, you know, just to set some external spaces to hold me accountable to actually get it mm -hmm. done. Cause otherwise it will just always remain a thought and also just tuning into yeah. what feels expansive and exciting, really mm -hmm. letting go of, you know, I'm planning to archive all or most of my content on the former breakfast criminals, Instagram. And that's like thousands mm. of posts, a year, almost 10 years of work. Like it's really right. like my portfolio of so many things I've created, brands I've collaborated with, events I've done. And it's, I'm hearing the whisper to let go of all of these things to create the space for what's meant to come in next instead of holding on to what it used mm -hmm. to be. And so sure. to me, that's what I find helps just like really taking the leap. Right. No, I, you know, it's that kind of fixed mindset that I was just describing. I think in a lot of ways in business, I've learned to let go and, and lean into something. But as it relates to my personal, I'm still kind of stuck in that fearful mode where I don't want to be bad at it. I don't want to expose myself right. or be too vulnerable. But I think you're right. I think it's about doing things that feel expensive and holding yourself accountable. 
some people are going to be pissed off no matter what you say. That's just the climate we're in. So might sure. as well say something sure. that is true for you. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Vashtu, this has been so wonderful. We, I feel like we covered so many different aspects and kind of layers and dimensions of you and what you do and the restaurants. Before we wrap up, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? No, I just, you know, to the, to the point you just made, I think we are living in really divisive times and I'm, I'm so appreciative that you take the time to sort of develop these ideas in this community of people that are trying to, to bring more balance and harmony and, and a more intuitive way to live. I think it's incredibly important and now more than ever. And I'm thankful that you could connect me with your community and I hope to see everyone in our restaurants someday soon. Yeah. I'm creating a, uh content nourishment and you're creating food nourishment so everyone listening okay. if you have the opportunity make sure you make your way to inday and also proper indian which i haven't made my way to well yeah we'll have to send you some food next time you're in the city i must yes beautiful bashu thank you so much have a beautiful weekend and have a beautiful rest of your day everyone listening If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on xeniabrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.